0: Welcome everybody to another edition of All About Small Living. I am Jerry Isinger, glad to be with you as always. And I am joined by Kim Hiltbrandt from Cornerstone Tiny Homes. Hi, Jerry. Today we are talking about ADUs or backyard villas as we call them. Uh, Many of you are very familiar with the fact that Cornerstone builds many types of homes on wheels and on foundations. And the homes on foundations are known as uh, just a small footprint house almost shouldn't be categorized as a tiny home because usually people think of wheels when they think of a tiny home. But Kim, what is an ADU and and what different ways can we use them?
1: So an ADU is usually classified as a house that is put in back of a primary structure. Um, Normally thinking it would be like a single family residence, Uh, you would put a home in someone's backyard um still having to maintain all the rules of the HOA and that sort of thing and be able to deliver it. Um ADUs there's all different categories and all different rules applying to different types.
0: Well, yesterday we gave a speech at a local facility called One Senior Place and it was a perfect crowd to talk to because that demographic especially we've seen more and more customers come in to talk about what to do with elderly parents. They're in good shape. They're just a little older. Some of them are living in these two or 3,000-square-foot homes that they need to maintain and mow the lawn, things of that nature. And we're seeing more interest in accommodating elderly parents because, as we found out through a recent study, most folks that age do not want to move in with their children. <laughs> no, no offense to the adult children who might be listening today, but there are a lot more families who say they're willing to accommodate an elderly parent than an elderly parent who says they want to move in with someone else. They lose a little bit of independence that they've grown accustomed to. And they were so thrilled initially when those children first moved out in the, you know, <laughs> the, all those years ago. So um, what data have you seen, Kim, to suggest that this is a, a great option for families who have an elderly parent?
1: So, I tell you, in 2017, there was a fat, what I found was a fascinating study by AARP um, regarding how the household demographics have changed in the United States. What really has happened too is these households, um, now there are 28% of households that are a single person living in it. That's the largest single demographic amongst the study. And what they found too is we are still building houses for nuclear families—a mom, dad, and a couple of kids. We're still building and designing whole neighborhoods based upon a demographic that is nearly uh, non-existent anymore. So, um, what they found too is they we we are going smaller or want to go smaller. We have a desire to go smaller. There's certainly no shortages of bedrooms. But there are shortages of housing.
0: Isn't that interesting? So we're basically building more house than we need per family. And I'm sure there's a profit margin that has something to do with that. If it's a land developer and builder, why not build a home that will have a a bigger margin? But when I have conversations sometimes with developers, I will mention that we can fit 10 of our homes comfortably on one acre Mm -hmm. and sell those off one at a time and still have a great profit margin, but still it's, it seems like it's, there's just a, there's a slow change to realize that we're kind of in a,
1: in a new world now. So yeah, with developments, um, the developers, they have found, or we have found that uh, developing a, a 10 acre property is as much to develop it for a small footprint home as it is a large footprint home. So of course the margins are going to be much larger on a larger footprint home. Um, The other huge impact that there is on the development of tiny home communities is the impact fees themselves. Um, Impact fees are not reduced for the square footage requirement. So a tiny home is spending the same amount in impact fees as a 10,000 square foot home. So that's really big. Um, A 10, you know, a, a, a typical impact fee here in Florida can range from $9,000 to $20,000, and that's could be 20% of the whole cost.
0: Now, I know there are some areas that are willing to negotiate that, when we can say, look, I promise you there are not five school children living in a 360-square-foot home. Can on. we negotiate? And as we found out, there's one part in Florida tonight there will be a city commission meeting where they're signing off. They're going to help with impact fees and the connections to water and sewers. So I think there's just a lot of areas in Florida because of the housing shortage, affordable housing crisis, that that conversation is is going on. And and they're much more open-minded than they used to be. But getting back to the subject at hand, backyard villas. Those ADUs, we've seen some changes in ordinances and in laws, at least where we live. That is Orange County and the city of Orlando. Remarkably, because the study just came out a few months ago. Now, I may have mentioned this before, where Orlando was listed as the worst place in the nation for affordable housing. This is one of their answers. Now, we have the only Florida Building Code compliant tiny home on a foundation. A perfect Place to put them obviously would be in a backyard. But what have you seen in Orlando and in Orange County? What's different today than it was, let's say, three, four months ago?
1: So, you know, I do admire Orange County. Uh, They uh, developed a task force to study their affordable housing crisis, and they know that it's a crisis. Um, They are trying to address it on many different levels, and tiny homes can uh, fulfill a part of that. So as a result of this task force one of the things that they allowed uh that wasn't probably uh allowed before was accessory dwelling units or ADUs. Um there were typical neighborhoods where uh Orange County said no that's not that can't fit into this neighborhood demographic and so the conversation stopped. Now they have opened that door. They are welcoming they they are encouraging people to put an affordable living situation in the backyard. Lots of times, too, they used to require that it be a family member that live in the back, but not anymore. Many times that you you can have it as a rental or income property.
0: I think I can hear a collective sigh of relief from a lot of college students. (laughs) Yes. You know, the biggest university here, and I think the biggest in the nation in terms of enrollment, is the University of Central Florida. And I know student housing is a major problem to find a place to live. Recently, we had a tour here and I was talking to a, a young guy and he was renting a place. I think it was for like 900 or $950. And I thought, well, you know what? That's actually pretty good. He's like, no, that's not for a place. That's for a bedroom. Yeah. I got to share everything else. I was like, that's for a room? Are you kidding? Wow. But. You know, he was happy to have it because, again, it's just it's a real problem to get it. So I'm hoping that the word gets to a lot of the residents who live around that college, uh, especially. I mean, anywhere in Orange County, obviously, wants you to have a backyard villa. But places like that, there is such a demand and and a need. Um, And when it comes to families, the need is probably just as strong, maybe not as condensed, but just as big of a deal.
1: Right. And, you know, I I just think if, if you were able to have the peace of mind that mom or dad or, you know, anyone that you love is in your backyard rather than across town or even in another state, for that matter, that you can go and check on them and they are, that you're just a phone call away uh, to come and to their aid. So there, there's a lot of different pluses. You know, I think about the nuclear family being uh, mom, dad, and children. Well, you get to add another generation to that maybe uh, where... As uh, my generation, we, w- we weren't near any grandparents growing up.
0: Well, you know, the, the houses that we put down recently in the city of Lake Helen, mm-hmm. which is in Florida. Now, they got the clearance to use those homes as Airbnbs. Beautiful. Uh, it came out so well. It looks so nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know they'll do well with it. But um, in, in terms of Airbnb, can, can we do that anywhere in the city or would they have to be more long-term rentals?
1: You know, um, I think that's going to be a neighborhood by neighborhood uh, situation. Uh, whenever you go to zoning, I'm going to say don't try to pull the wool over their eyes or fool them. <laughs> tell them what you plan yeah. and what they'll find what out, won't they? Yeah, they will. And, you know, tell them or ask them what the parameters are because likely they want to help you to put this in your backyard to help alleviate things. It may not be a short-term rental situation, but there's a lot of benefits to long-term as well.
0: We have one in the shop right now that will be headed to Gainesville uh, and another that's going down to Monroe County. Now, though, the ones to Monroe County actually will not be backyard villas. They'll be just a regular empty lot with the house. That's the main house at 360 square feet. Um, but the one that's going to Gainesville, is not an uncommon situation. Their mom already lives with them. It's a couple. They have a a child, a little girl, and mom is there as well. And I can't tell who's more anxious to get that spot in the backyard, (laughs) the couple or the mom. But something tells me mom is ready to take about 50 steps in that direction with uh, closed doors behind them and live a full regular life. Now, the homes itself, for the people who are not familiar what are the types of amenities that are in the homes and is 360 uh, in terms of square footage, is that enough space to be comfortable?
1: I think it's uh, actually, I think it's very comfortable. Um, you can take a tour or a walkthrough on our website at, um, under the, is it floor plans, Jerry? Is that what we well, have if you go to Backyard or... Villa,
0: there is a okay. checklist to find out if your property is able to do it, but there's a lot under just that tab by itself, just Backyard Villas on the homepage.
1: Yeah, and you can see there's a lot of elbow room in there. They're 12 feet wide, whereas our RV travel trailers, they're eight and a half feet wide. So that is a huge difference. Doesn't sound like much.
0: But when you step in one to the other, you see an enormous difference. You feel an enormous difference.
1: Absolutely. And it it accommodates full size living room furniture. There's no skimping there. You could have a pull out bed. So, if you know, a lot of people say, well, what if I have guests? Well, you could have a a pull out sofa. Mm -hmm. Um, We've developed another floor plan now that actually has two bedrooms, um, and they're both legal size. It is a smaller living room. Uh, We are now working on another floor plan that is longer at 36 feet uh, by 12 feet wide. So uh, we're always evolving in that department and want to address the needs of families or individuals uh, to make sure that their design space works for them.
0: You know, I think sometimes there's a hesitation for people to reach out because they feel like there's this oncoming bureaucratic nightmare in their minds, it's like, okay, I want to put a house in the back. And then they start thinking about zoning departments, pulling permits, general contractors, things of that nature. When we're working with clients and we get, usually we refer our own general contractor to do the job. How much do they really have to worry about? What do they really need to take care of before they either come here or make the decision to purchase one?
1: You know, and it can be intimidating. It is a large project. If you think about it, you're adding a whole nother residence to your house. So it's not um, something that's going to be accomplished in a couple of weeks. But if it changes your life and and can add to your lifestyle, I think it's certainly worth the efforts. Um, Probably your first step is going to be to approach either your homeowners association if you have one hopefully not yes (laughs) Um, because sometimes they have the the rules over your lot Um, if you don't have a homeowners association the next step would be to determine who has the jurisdiction over the zoning for your lot the county or the city right 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 and so from there that's the zoning department that you want to go talk to Let them know what you're thinking, what you're contemplating, what the parameters are. Uh, Some accessory dwelling units, you can't have a full kitchen in, for instance, like a stove, but you can still have a portable cooktop. You can still have a microwave, uh, a sink, a refrigerator. So it's certainly, everything is workable. It's just working with them to accomplish what your goals are.
0: Let me tell you the two most important aspects of the backyard villa for me one you walk in the living room and there's a wall that across the way there's plenty of space for a sectional and and plenty of room for like a 65 inch television
1: absolutely that's
0: number one and number two to support that the led light system comes with dimmers so when you want the cozy vibe When I step inside, there's a part of me that just wants to like watch the entire Breaking Bad series or something (laughs) because it is so nicely set up. It's so cozy. And I think a part of this is because of the ceiling height. When people walk into these homes for the very first time, and by the way, if you're listening in in our area, we're in Longwood, Florida, just outside of Orlando. If you want to see one in person, you are always welcome. Just give us a call. I'll schedule a tour for you. But people are always so surprised when they walk in for the first time, what they thought they were going to see compared to what it actually is in terms of how roomy um, it's it's it, that's what's so great to give these tours. I mean, is to see their reactions, mm-hmm. They're thinking they're going to walk into, you know, like a camper and they walk into this. And right. it's a, it's a shocking moment, but shocking in the good way.
1: Right. And, you know, I can say I bet 75 percent of the people that we take through on a first time basis of going into a tiny home their first thing out of their mouth is, this is a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. Yes. And they are. So I think, Jerry, we ought to build you a backyard theater. That's what it sounds like. Oh,
0: meaning. man. you Now you're talking my language, <laughs> honestly. And the best thing, too, is I can design it. Yeah. Folks come here. They make it any way they want. And I would walk in with a priority list. Number one, where will I be spending those many hours? <laughs> a lot of tiny host, house types. They're outdoorsy. I'm not as much so. I There's uh, I, I something about the indoors that really appeals to me. <laughs> but uh, in terms of matching the house when when people design, we have matched many of these backyard villas with the main house. How do we coordinate the look between the two so it seems that they're actually connected to each other?
1: So we use typical building materials just like your builder likely used to build your house. So we're able to Uh, transfer the let's say the house color the house texture uh, to your house Um, uh, we always use a hardy board type of product on the exterior siding and hardy board makes like a flat siding it looks like a stucco or you can have a lap uh, siding Mm -hmm. a bevel siding
0: that's my preference yeah uh,
1: there's a lot of different looks that we can achieve with that and just like inside, paint really makes a big difference. Um, the roofing materials are the same. If you wanted to match your current roof, we carry the same colors that are on any other uh, roof that is in the neighborhood or your house.
0: So your house could have a dishwasher? Absolutely. A washer-dryer. We've already mm-hmm. got them. Now, now what comes with it in the price that you see? And they start here at 68500 But that is still a fully finished home, minus a washer-dryer and the dishwasher. But the microwave, the refrigerator, the stove is all part of that. Mm -hmm. And what are the more common upgrades? Is it the pine tongue and groove on the ceiling or the metal roof or maybe even the countertops? What comes first?
1: I would say for most people, it's probably a quartz countertop. Quartz is maintenance-free. It's not like granite, where granite is porous, it's a rock, it can take on stains and that sort of thing is it's maintenance-free. It's beautiful. It looks like granite. Some of them do. Um, it, it just is a, a iron uh, wearing product. Um, from there, I would say tile in the shower um, Our normal showers of fiberglass. So those are probably the two most common that I would think. Um, I love our pine tongue and groove ceiling. So too, a lot I'm of people do. I'm a big do. fan.
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah. it really is very inviting. So when when they get ready for a a working crew to be on their property, folks who purchase the general contractor comes out and puts in a foundation. Usually it's a pillar system with Mm -hmm. straps. Um, how long is someone on the property to, to do that? Cause I know when we show up with the house, it's fully finished. There's not weeks and months of a construction crew in your backyard. We show up, we're gone within a matter of hours usually. Right. How, what do people, what, what should they expect when it comes to a general contractor on the land to, in the job itself is the foundation and the tie-ins to water and sewer?
1: Yes. And and so, yeah. Now, what typically happens, the contractor's functions would be to pull the permits because it is a permitted activity to pour the foundation. You have to have a foundation inspection uh, to actually tie the house down, that is also inspected. And then the tie in, as Jerry mentioned, into water sewer. Um, most areas, the electrical tie in is conducted by the local utility, but that hasn't always been the case. So your contractor is going to know what it is that is required in your area. They will coordinate and manage all of those tradesmen. Um, normally, a foundation pour will take a day. Uh, the, the foundation digging itself will take a day. Um, so yeah, the construction debris and the noise and the, the bother is very minimal.
0: So really, we are with the client pretty closely through the entire process.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Should they have a feeling that they'll ever be left on their own I, well, th- I, I think I hope that's what, they
1: don't think so. I think
0: people are nervous about that, though, that we expect them to know certain answers. I mean, people don't go to zoning departments every day, so exactly. I just really want to make sure that we iterate, reiterate that that with a general contractor or whoever, we are with you. We are navigating every step of the way along with you, so... You know, if any anxiety does bounce up, just give us a call. (laughs) We'll let you know, you know, where everything is at in the process. But really, my hope has always been that folks would just find out whether or not they're able to do it, get a yes or no from their zoning department. And from that point on, we are with you every step of the way. How do they finance these?
1: Well, it's really interesting. Um, So for uh, an accessory dwelling unit where there's a primary residence on the property already, um, any uh, financing options might be to do a home equity line of credit um, where they would give you a certain amount uh, according to what the value is and what the value will be added for the accessory dwelling unit. Or you can refinance your whole property where they will take and the whole property will be, just come under one loan umbrella so either way, uh, it depends on what people's circumstances are. If you have a lot of equity in your home, maybe you just want to take out that line of credit. But if you have a lower level of equity in your home, then maybe uh, you want to refinance the whole thing and include the accessory dwelling unit under your loan.
0: We've had some clients who've actually purchased an ADU using personal loans.
1: Oh, yes. yeah, And, no, that's possible.
0: and the rates weren't terrible at all. Mm-hmm. So that was a... Pleasant surprise for me as well that there are different options when it comes to um, ways to finance. But again, if someone's using this as a rental, mm-hmm. then you know, before that first payment comes due, hopefully there's already a tenant inside and already a profit margin. Because I know even if it's, let's say, an extra four to six hundred dollars a month extra, mm-hmm. well, that's money that goes right to your mortgage payment. So the house is paying for itself and it's paying for part of your mortgage. Are are you aware of any parts of Florida that are not open to ADUs? Are there just some towns or counties who says these are just simply not allowed? Because it seems to me this has been the easiest so far. Compared to putting a tiny home on a foundation on vacant land versus putting one in the backyard, I've had a much easier time getting these into backyards. Do you feel the same, and do you know of any area that is just dead set against it?
1: I don't know of any area that's dead set against it. My guess would be, if I had to guess, it would be homeowners associations. So they're going to be very spotty, you know, in any city, town or area. Um, but you know, as time goes on, everyone is understanding what tiny homes are and they are not as resistant. When when people don't know what things are, they just automatically say no just to eliminate that uh, headache. But now as as we have pushed forward and got this more accepted, I think uh, they're they're, uh, more accepted everywhere. Well, and we're starting to see them too. And I think a lot of people
0: Mm -hmm. react. The last time we went to Altamont Springs, a town near us with an ADU, I can't tell you, like every neighbor in that whole area came out with a cell phone to record us lifting a home <laughs> on a crane and setting it down. And for the people who left that morning to go to work, they come home that night and there's another house Yeah, just has shown up. So I know it's of great interest to people, which gets people talking and of course it gains traction that way. But, um, And and by the way, I want to reiterate one more time as well on our website, that backyard villas tab that has a lot of information, at least for the state of Florida. Now, I know we may be having we could have listeners all over the world, but if you're in the states, um, I know there's um, this conversation is a national one. Maybe not quite the housing shortage we have here in Florida, but a lot of folks do want a backyard villa. And in in whatever town or area you live in, it's the same process, right? Just going to your zoning department, seeing if you can get it. Mm -hmm. Same process, basically,
1: nationally speaking, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can say when you're approaching your zoning department, they are there and carrying out the rules as they are set forth now. Um, And that's what their job is to communicate with you what the rules are. Um, so your next question, and it would be a question, is how could I change this? Or was the process to change this? And and there are processes in place. So, um, you know, just keep in mind that they are trying to do their job. Uh, they don't want to allow something that they have told someone else no to, you know, there's mm-hmm. likely other people that have asked the question and who didn't go through the process of changing it. So it, it is possible to change things and, and just keep a positive attitude towards that.
0: Yesterday after our meeting at one senior place, I talked to a gentleman. His name was Cliff. Cliff had to talk to two departments one morning. And the secret, he had two boxes of donuts. <laughs>
1: oh, he brought he with
0: them to say a quick hello and then ask the question he needed to ask. So is, is that fair? Is that, I, who it, knows? That's, that's legal, right?
1: I, I, I would think so, you know, as long as you brought them for everybody.
0: <laughs> that's the only thing that's, that's illegal great. if you didn't bring enough
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, other than that. So I'm sure they appreciate that as well. But um, yeah, the, the response that we got yesterday, it was, you know, this, this audience who was there listening to the information we were sharing, you know, they found it so interesting and we're surrounded by it all the time time, we forget how fascinating, you know, this movement really is. And yesterday was a reminder of how much people are just captivated by the idea of living smaller mm-hmm. for whatever reason. What are the reasons that come to mind mostly for you? What are you seeing?
1: I would say um, for our demographic of our, our customers that we've had so far, lower maintenance and lower bills. I, I think that's been, um, they don't want the, the headache of a big house.
0: That's what I'm finding actually is is just the time and effort they are spending, and generally it sometimes is older couples they will come in and tell me that they have let's say a thirty five hundred square foot home yeah. and they live in two rooms yes and that's it, and that is really a common thing and the other thing i'm I'm hearing a lot about is stuff, how much stuff they have collected over the years and they really want to get out from underneath the burden of a full attic. And yeah. rooms that have just sat with boxes in them for the longest time. Now, you personally, Kim, you know this well. <laughs> You're about to make a move here soon. So uh, how many garage sales are you going to have?
1: Well, I've decided I, I'm going to do two. Um, we're moving from a large house. Where, we're a typical builder. We built that great big house in order to retire uh, once we got of a certain age, well, we're doing it before we retire. <laughs> um, and honestly, it's been an inspiration of our customers to come in and, and, and see how liberated they feel. And in going through this process, Jerry, I tell you, it really is liberating to be rid of stuff that I no longer have to maintain or take care of or worry about who's going to get it or who should get it. And, and just all of that, it, it is it's a liberating thing.
0: By the way, if you would like to see a video of a house being moved. I do have one right now on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search for Cornerstone Tiny Homes. Our channel will come up. One of them is called Delivery Day. That's us taking a um, ADU to a backyard. I have another video on the way of the ones that we had taken to Lake Helen. I'm excited to show because that is a dog trot. That's two of these homes put together that also has um, really garnered a lot of interest and a lot of questions from people. But there's always more info coming to our website, cornerstonetinyhomes.com. Go there, take some time, really look through everything. But if there's in any way we can help support you getting an ADU in your backyard, especially for our friends in Orange County who can now thankfully use them as rentals, uh, let us know. We'll support your efforts in any way we can to make sure that uh, that option is available to you. Kim, as always, it's great to see you. Thank you, Jerry. More great stuff on the way, folks. And again, I know we've taken a little hiatus. Don't worry, we are back in action. So thanks again for listening to All About Small Living. And you can connect with us directly through our website. Once again, that's cornerstonetinyhomes.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you
1: next time.